occasionally they'll ask me if I want a certain song for altar call. And, and I even remarked to First Lady today, I said, man, I, I was prepared to preach such and such. And, and I just feel there is somebody in the building tonight that needs to hear what this word is going to say to us in this place. And, and as they begin to sing the lyrics to this song they just sang, it was just confirmation and confirmation. And then Pastor Hammond got up and started speaking and exhorting, and it was just more. Con so is it all right if we just jump into the word of the Lord tonight? Come on, are you ready to just step from this move of God right here uh, into the word tonight? Stand all over the building. Just, just remain where you're at if you want to. You don't even have to go back to your seat. I'm going to go to the book of Judges, chapter 7. God, listen, I'm already preaching. God wants to change somebody's perspective of something tonight. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, God wants you to see this a different kind of way. Judges chapter 7 verse number 1 says, Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Now this statement is antithetical to any kind of human reasoning that you or I would possibly think concerning a strategy of war. If I'm going to fight a battle, I want as many soldiers as possible. If I'm going to fight a battle, I want as many weapons as I can get my hands on. If I'm going to go into a fight, I want every advantage possible to make sure that I come out on the winning side. But God said, Gideon, you have too many. And then he gives him the reason why and says, Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. He said, I'm afraid that if I give you the victory right now, you'll post about what you did on Instagram. I can't get no help up in here. I'm afraid if I do a miracle right now, you'll try to write a book and sell a million copies. It ain't going to work like that, Gideon. And so he says this. Mine own hand hath saved me is what they would say. Now, therefore, go to and proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And their return of the people, 20 and 2,000 thousand uh, and there remained uh, 
10,000. Two thirds of the people that were suited and booted were full of fear. Two thirds of the people that he was about to go into battle with were full of fear. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water and I will try them for thee there. He said, I'll, I'll try them for you. Thanks God, that's something I never asked for you to do. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. And so he brought down the people uh, unto the water. Uh, and the Lord said unto Gideon, uh, Everyone that lappeth of the water uh, with his tongue uh, as a dog lappeth, uh, him shalt thou set by himself. Uh, and likewise, everyone that boweth down uh, upon his knees uh, to drink. And the number of them that lapped putting their head or their hand to their mouth uh, were 300 men. But all of the rest of the people uh, bowed down upon their knees uh, to drink water. Not enough time to explain all this, uh, but the ones that got on their knees and bowed over to get the water uh, had no perception uh, of what was going on around them and were only concerned about satisfying their own thirst. But the other men, they kept looking around. Let's fix my collar so I don't look like Elvis. But the rest of the men brought the water to their mouth with their hand and kept an eye on the peripheral of what was going on. And the number of these men was 300. Listen to verse 7. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. And for a few moments tonight, I'm simply going to preach to somebody in this house about winning with what's left. Come on, God wants somebody to change your perspective. Uh, he came to have me tell you tonight uh, that you can win uh, with what you uh, have uh, left. I wish somebody uh, would put their hands together uh, and have a Holy Ghost fit uh, up in this place tonight. Uh, if you know that God is on your side, uh, and if God be for us, uh, then who uh, can be uh, against us? Uh, Somebody that's victorious, raise your hand and your voice and give God a prayer. Yeah! If I was to preach with me, you can be seated or you can just stand while I'm preaching tonight. Charles F. Kettering, who at one time was the head of research for General Motors uh, said that he got to a point in time in his career 
where every time he had a meeting to discuss new ideas, that he would put a table outside of the meeting room with a sign that said, leave your calculators on the table. He said, because invariably, uh, as I would begin to discuss new ideas, uh, people would begin to grab their calculators uh, and give me excuses uh, why uh, it could not be done. Can I preach to somebody in the building uh, that it's time to put our calculators away uh, and start believing uh, that we serve a God uh, that anything is possible. Uh, who did I come to preach to in the building tonight? Uh, God said, put your calculator away uh, because what I'm about to do uh, cannot be calculated. Uh, it cannot make sense uh, to your strategy. Uh, it will not make sense uh, to your common in mind uh, and for what I'm going to do uh, you got to get rid of your mathematics uh, you got to get rid of your strategy uh, and you got to get your eyes uh, on a God uh, that has no restrictions uh, a God that is I wish I had a shouting church in the building uh, a God without limits uh, a God tell your neighbor my God's not on a budget he can afford whatever he wants to buy. I can't buy an amen in the building. I said he can afford. He doesn't have to look for sales. He doesn't have to look for discounts. I just feel like preaching to somebody who's been praying for God to bring the price of things down. Listen to me. If you got the faith to believe he could bring the price down, why don't you just have some faith to believe he could bring your money up? Oh, I can't get a shouter up in the building. I'd rather have a blessing in my pocket than a discount at the counter. God, if you can bring it down, then you can show enough. Bring me up. Somebody in the building needs to start changing your perspective tonight. You can win with what you have left. Get in. I'm gonna take twenty-two thousand. Then I'm gonna take a whole bunch more. And I don't want you to focus on what you lost. See, I'm preaching as you're gonna miss it if you don't get on the train. God said, quit focusing on what you lost. Your destiny is never tied to what walked away from you. Your destiny is never tied to what's not in your hands. Your future, come on, somebody, but your future and your destiny is tied to what's left over. God said, get in. Don't worry about the 22,000. I want you to focus on the 300 that you got left because I'm going to cause you to win with what you got left. I wish somebody in the building would take about 60 seconds and just give God a praise for what you got left. I only got a little bit left, but it's all that God needs. I only got a little bit left, but it's enough for God to bring me through. It's enough for God to bring me over. Somebody in the building, shout right now, because you can win. 
you can win with what you got left. God said, I need somebody in this building to get their eyes off of what they think they lost and start focusing on what's left in their hands. Woo! I wish I had some Bible believers in the building that understood you serve a God that can part a Red Sea. You serve a God that can cause flies to infiltrate an entire country. You serve a God that can make the sun stand still. You serve a God that can heal blinded eyes. You serve a God that can, oh, I need a witness in the building. There is nothing impossible for God that includes your impossibility. That includes your struggle that includes your mountain that includes your deficit that includes your challenges God sent me to tell somebody it's time to get your eyes on what you got left cause you can win you can win you can win with what you have left Just got to change your focus tonight. Quit, quit magnifying the loss. I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. Every time you have a conversation, you're breathing life into your past instead of breathing life into your future. If you're going to live in God's blessing and future uh, you gotta quit referring to the good old days baby I came to preach to you uh, that the good old days uh, don't even compare uh, with what God's got prepared for you uh, in this place I wish I had some faith in the building uh, I said the good old days uh, don't even compare uh, with what God has prepared for you uh, if you get your eyes off of yesterday uh, and look come on somebody uh, for Getting those things uh, which are behind, uh, I press uh, toward the mark uh, for the prize uh, of the high calling of God. Uh, tell your neighbor, neighbor, uh, tell them, neighbor, uh, tell them, let go of yesterday uh, and start running toward your tomorrow. Uh, let go of what's behind you uh, and press your way uh, into what's in front of you. Uh, hey, I came to remind somebody uh, that what you have uh, is all you need. Uh, you can win. Uh, you can win uh, with what you got left. First Kings 17. God speaks to the prophet and said, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The idea 
of a widow woman sustaining me meant her husband must have had good life insurance. If she could take care of herself and take care of me, God, could I just preach it like and be myself? God gonna hook him up with a sugar mama. Brother Andy likes that one right there. <laughs> God said it. I commanded a widow woman. That's what he said. She, she going to take care of everything. She going to pay for everything. She going to sustain you. And so he arose and went to Zarephath. But when it came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there. But she wasn't carrying a Louis Vuitton or a Chanel or, or a Tory Burks or a coach. Hallelujah. Instead, the Bible says that she was there gathering sticks. Don't underestimate the potential of the miraculous uh, for those that look uh, like they're broke, busted, and disgusted. Uh, because in just three verses, uh, you can go from the bottom uh, all the way to the top. Uh, and I feel like preaching to somebody uh, that you could be three verses away in your life uh, from taking a trip off the bottom. Uh, oh, I wish I had a shouter in the building. Uh, hey! Uh, don't worry about me today. I might look down and out, but I feel some getting up strength in the building. Rejoice not against me. Oh my. His sugar mama was picking up sticks. And, and this... This text cracks me up. It says that he called to her. He didn't walk up and politely introduce himself, gentleman-like. From way over here, he called to her. I said, hey, lady, woman, go get me something to drink. He hollered at her, hey, woman, how, how would y'all ladies react going down the street and some dude just hollered at you? Say, hey, lady, why don't you go get me some a drink? Uh-uh. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Two snaps and a twist. Can't touch this. But you know what? She went to go get us some a drink. <sighs> Probably under her breath mumbling. Ain't no good men out here nowadays. Ain't no good men out here in this church nowadays. I can't find a one. I searched all over. 
Some of y'all ladies got to quit singing that song. Couldn't find nobody. <laughs> Searched high and low. Still couldn't find nobody. So you know who, who my boo is? Nobody greater. She's walking under her breath. I can't find no way. She talked to me like I'm the, who does he think he is? And the Bible says in the next verse that while she's walking to do that, he said, oh, yeah, stop and give me something to eat, too. It's there. It's right there in the scripture. Sister girl had enough. That's where she drew the line. She stopped and turned on him. I said, all right. Listen here, buddy. She said, I don't have nothing in my house except a little bit of oil and a few breadcrumbs. And I was picking up sticks so I could build a fire and make a little bit of cake and so that my son and I could eat it and we could die. She was telling him, you don't understand my situation. You're asking me to give you something and I'm going to tell you this is all I have left. The man of God didn't even skip a beat. He said, as the Lord thy God liveth, that's what she said. He said unto her, Fear not. Oh, that's such a simple statement, but there's some people in the building tonight. Uh, you need to turn off the switch. Uh, and I came to tell you, uh, fear uh, not. I don't care what it looks like. Uh, quit being afraid. Uh, quit living under fear. Uh, quit speaking fear in your household. Uh, quit speaking fear to your family. Uh, quit speaking about how difficult it is. Uh, quit talking about how hard it is. Uh, quit manifesting uh, about how much of a struggle Come on, uh, I'm preaching to somebody uh, that the first thing uh, she had to do uh, was get fear out of her life. Can I tell you tonight uh, that the first step uh, to a miracle in your life, uh, you gotta kick fear uh, out of your house. That's why when Jesus showed up to the house, to touch a young lady that had died. He looked at him and said, get out of the way. She's not dead, she's asleep. And the Bible said they laughed him to scorn. So you know what he did? He kicked them out of the house. He had to kick fear and unbelief out of the building. Somebody in this house ought to get mad enough to jump on your feet tonight and serve an eviction notice to fear and unbelief in your household. We will have the miraculous hand of God in You got to have some boldness. 
somebody in your house gets up and starts complaining, you got to have some Holy Ghost boldness uh, to say, no, 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 we ain't talking like that around here. Uh, we're believing God. Uh, we're standing. Come on, somebody. Uh, we're going to stand on God's word. Uh, we're not going to talk about how difficult it is. Uh, we're going to, oh, my, 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 my. The Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Now, when you magnify something, do you change its size? Of course you don't. It stays the same size. The only thing you change is how large you perceive it to be. Some of you need to move the magnifying glass off of your problem. It's not as big as you think it is. And you need to move the magnifying glass over to the God you serve who is bigger than you think he is. She said, that's all I got. How are you placing that kind of a demand on me? I don't have what it takes to meet the challenge. Too many times, hear me, we overestimate what we would do with what we don't have and we underestimate what we could do with what we do have. Fear not. Go do what you said you were going to do. But first, make me a little cake and bring it to me. And after, make for thee and thy son. This is a good argument for people who have never got the revelation that when you're down to your bottom dollar, don't buy yourself something. Get it, put it in the hand of God. Come on, when you're at your worst, that's when you should give it your best. I can't buy an amen up here in the building. Can I just encourage somebody uh, who keeps taking their tithing and offering uh, and trying to pay your bills uh, because you think you can't afford to be faithful to God? Uh, let me ask you a question. How is that going for you so far? You obviously still broke because you got holes in your money bags. Uh, Spending God's tithing and offering uh, isn't going to bail you out. Uh, why don't you just go ahead and obey God uh, and give it to him uh, and watch God do for you uh, what you cannot do uh, for yourself. I, I'm by my own CD tonight. Uh, somebody ought to go ahead and run the aisles tonight uh, and just say, God, uh, I'm putting it in your hands. God, I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to believe you in. And then something gets a hold of the man of God and he goes from him talking to God prophesying. 
You got to recognize when it goes from the earth dimension into the heavenly dimension. He's talking to her, but all of a sudden there's a shift and he begins to declare, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste and neither shall the cruise of oil fail thee until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And here is where most people fail. The next phrase, if you don't catch nothing else, I say catch this tonight. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. You know, First Lady and I's counseling sessions would be reduced by 90% if people would just do what the Word of the Lord said to do. See, I can't buy an amen in the building. You ought to shout even if you have been in my office counseling. Come on, somebody. Uh, 90% of the time, uh, it's because it's not because they don't know. Uh, it's a problem with doing uh, what we know we're supposed to. Come on, somebody. Uh, but she made up in her mind, uh, I'm going to do uh, what the man of God said to do. Uh, and she uh, and he uh, and her house uh, did eat uh, for many days. Uh, and the barrel of meal uh, was not wasted, uh, neither did the cruise of oil fail, uh, according uh, to the word of the Lord, uh, which he spake uh, by uh, Elijah. I came to preach to somebody uh, that when you do what God said to do, uh, you can win uh, with what you have uh, left. I'm preaching better than some of y'all shouting tonight. When she obeyed the voice of God, God took her from not enough, past just enough, all the way to more than enough. I need somebody to shout in the building uh, because your God's about to bring you uh, from not enough uh, and you're going to blow past uh, just enough uh, and God's about to bless you uh, with more than enough. If you believe that, you want to shout uh, and mix your faith uh, with the word of the Lord in this place tonight. Uh, oh, he's Jehovah Jireh and he's more than enough. Uh, I said he's more. Uh, he's more than enough. Somebody ought to go ahead and shout in the Holy Come on, God's trying to preach until you get a perspective change and you go home and start taking inventory of what you got left. many of us can recite from memory everything we've lost yet we can't give an account 
for what we got left. Come on, God said you can win with what you got left tonight. You got to get a perspective change. It's time to quit comparing yourself with other people. Oh, I'm going to preach up in this building tonight. I don't care if that's how he did it for Sister Susie. Uh, God's got a unique plan for how he's going to do it for you. Uh, I don't care if this is how you saw him do it uh, for Brother So-and-So. Uh, God's got a unique pattern uh, with your name on it. Uh, and God doesn't have to ask them for permission. Uh, he doesn't have to seek counsel. Uh, God will do it for you. Uh, he's got a blessing uh, with your name on it. God's trying to get some people to quit trying to keep up with the Joneses in this building. Sometimes God has to take you to a place where he knocks the status out of you. Lord, do you really want me to go here tonight? We live in a society that is enamored with status symbols. We'll go broke trying to look rich. I'm losing my amen corner in the building tonight. Trying to impress people that don't even like you. You think everybody's staring at you and wondering how'd they get that? Ooh, they so awesome. They... Ain't nobody got time for that. You better quit worrying about status and trying to keep up with people and just get your eyes focused on what God is doing for you in your life. Oh Lord, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to lose all y'all tonight. This is what happens in 1 Samuel 17. The Bible says, I'm not going to read all this. David walks on the battlefield. They said, there's no way you can fight this giant, for starters. And one of the biggest problems is you ain't even got the armor or the stuff, the tools you need to fight him. So come here, come into my tent, David. I'm going to put my armor on you, and I'm going to put my shield on you, Come on. Come on, Dave. Here. Yeah, we got to put that on. And then you got to put that on. Let's see where the rest of my stuff at. Yeah, yeah. Here, and you need one of these. Everybody knows you can't succeed without one of those. You got to have one of these because you can't defeat a giant without that. And then you're going to have to have some of this. Come on, hold on. So, 
here. And we get messed up in thinking uh, that there's this standard uh, of success uh, and what it looks like uh, to be successful. Uh, but David had a revelation uh, that said, I don't need uh, all of these things. Uh, I've not proven. Uh, and so one by one, uh, he sets those things down uh, and said, I'm sorry. Uh, I've never proven these tools. Uh, all I know uh, is that every time I needed God, uh, to make a way uh, that God came through uh, on my behalf. And so he goes out. Come on, David, where are you going? And he grabs his sling and he picks up a couple stones. This was the stuff he had with him the whole time. He had a revelation that I can win with what I got left. See, this is an important part of the story. Uh, that's why the Word of God takes time uh, to mention this to us, uh, that they tried to give him stuff uh, that he didn't need. Uh, and if you keep reading the Word of the Lord, uh, when the giant fell, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, and there was no sword uh, in the hand uh, of David. Uh, God wanted to make a point. Uh, you don't need uh, what you think you need uh, in order to make it uh, answer who am I preaching to in the building? Uh, you got three minutes uh, to respond to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, you can win uh, with what you got left. Uh, I don't know what's in your pocket. Uh, I don't know what's in your house. Uh, I don't know what's in your bank account. Uh, but God sent me uh, to remind you uh, you can win uh, with what you've got. Stand with me all over the house. I'm, I'm hurrying. Thank you, David. There was a young boy by the name of Ben Underwood that was born normal. But at the age of about three years old, I think, one day his mama was looking at him and she noticed something in his eye. Something looked hazy and foggy. So she took him to the doctor. Brother Leo, the doctor discovered that he had a rare form of cancer that was back on the retina, towards the retina of his eye. And the doctor said, Mama, we've got two options. If we leave it the way that it is, the chances are that the cancer is going to spread to the optic nerve that sits right behind the eye. And if the cancer hits the optic nerve, it becomes inoperable. And it's a short distance from where the optic nerve starts to the brain. They said the second option is we can remove his eyes in prayer that we get all of the cancer out. Can you imagine having to make that decision as a mama, your three-year-old child, having to make a decision 
about removing their eyes. This wasn't a little boy that was born blind. He knew what it was like to see. And now he, she has to grapple with the decision of taking his sight from him. And after praying, she felt like she had to do whatever it took to save his life. And so they opted for him to have his eyes removed. And mama had made up in her mind. She said, when they take my boy's eyes, she said, I'm determined that my son is not going to grow up feeling like he's handicapped. I refuse for him to grow up thinking that he's at a disadvantage. And so she had a game plan. And when he came out of the surgery, when he first gained consciousness, he's in total darkness. And he began to panic. And he began to say, Mama, Mama, I can't see. And immediately she grabbed his hands. And she put her, his hands on her face. And she said, Ben, Ben, listen to me, son. It's Mama, listen. She said, feel my face. Put your hands on my face. She moved his hands around. She said, Ben, as you're feeling my face, I want you to think. And I want you to remember. Can you see? Can you see what Mama looks like with your hands? He said, yes. She said, Ben, let me tell you something, son. Something very special has happened to you today. She, she knew how to frame this. She said, son, out of all the people in the whole world that God could have chose, God chose you to be special because, son, you're going to do what nobody else can do, and you're going to be able to see using your hands. She began to work with her son, putting objects in his hands and teaching him how to visualize from his memory what his hands were, were upon. And so Ben, she made up in her mind anything Ben wanted to do, it was never a no. She would never tell him, you can't do that because you're blind. You can't do it. It was never a no. He, he got to the point where he wanted to learn how to ride a bike. So you know what she did? She let him get on a bike. And he fell and wrecked and ran into things. But everything he attempted to do, she would just tell him, you can find a way. And so little Ben started figuring out that he could make sounds with his mouth. And based off the sound, he, he learned how to start identifying different objects. And he got so good at it that he could play basketball. And by clicking, he could tell uh, where, where, the, where the rim of the, the basket was. And he could shoot with a high percentage. He, he learned how to use his mind and his memory. And he wanted to learn how to play video games. How do you play video games if you can't see? He began to take some of the games and memorize the sound sequences so that he knew exactly what was happening on the screen by what he heard. He got so good that some of his buddies couldn't be him uh, at certain games uh, and so he he became really good uh, and part of mom's uh, quest uh, I'm hurrying tonight uh, to make him feel like he wasn't handicapped uh, is she paid for him to get prosthetic eyeballs and the eyeballs had to be changed every so often they had to get bigger ones because your eye grows with you 
And if they wouldn't have put bigger ones, the eye sockets wouldn't have developed properly. And so every so often he would go in and he would have prosthetic eyes. And the testimonies are that when he went to school, some of the kids, it took them weeks before they ever discovered that he was was blind because he would just walk and using his sounds and different things he, he would navigate almost like somebody who had sight he would ride his bike down the sidewalk and he could weave in and out of the parked cars on the sidewalk by by, by making the sound and so one day it was time for him to go to a doctor's appointment and he had to go see a new doctor because of his age. And, and so he was sitting in the room. You know how it is. You schedule a doctor appointment. They tell you if you're late, they'll cancel you. But then when you get there, they make you wait for an hour and a half. Oh, Lord. I wish we could cancel them. And then you sit in the room for another 45 minutes. And so he's sitting in the room. And his, he brought his Game Boy with him. And so he had his Game Boy out, playing Game Boy. All of a sudden, the doctor knocks. The doctor opens the door, looks at Ben, looks at the chart, looks at Ben, walks back out of the door, goes to the nurse and said, uh, I need to see Ben Underwood. You have it marked in room 15, but that's the wrong room. She said, no, he's in room 15. He looked at the chart and he said, goes back to room 15, opens the door. There's Ben playing a video game. Looks at Ben, looks at the chart, looks at Ben, walks back out of the room, tells the nurse, he said, no, Ben doesn't have any eyes. He's blind. The little boy in there is playing a video game. She said, that's Ben. Finally, she said, let me go with you. So she walks with him, opens the door. She said, yes, sir, this is Ben Underwood and his mama. This is Dr. So-and-so. And the doctor stood there, bewildered. And without an introduction, the doctor said, how is he doing that? Mom looked at him and said, I never told him he couldn't. He sat down and said, I'm fascinated. Tell me more. And so she demonstrated in the room with a few objects his ability to click and make sounds. And he said, you know what? He said, this is unprecedented. I'm part of a special research team that researches all of the latest developments and technology for the visually impaired. And he said, we've never ran across anything like this. Uh, he said, Ben might be the key to, to a breakthrough. There must be something in Ben, uh, some genetic specialty that, that he has that nobody else has. And he's developed some special echo uh, the ID and and if we could study Ben we might unlock the key to help people and and so she agreed to let Ben go to their research center and so they brought him to the research center and they put objects in front of him and ran him through all sorts of hearing tests and and different things to try and figure out how Ben uh, was doing what he was doing and so finally when all the tests were done uh, they brought mom into a room uh, and said we 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 figured out what's going on and she sat down and they said uh, you want to know what Ben's hearing test came back like 
because they thought he had developed some super level hearing. They said, you want to know what his, they, she said, what? They said, his hearing is exactly like everybody else's. He said, the conclusion that we have come to is that in the absence of Ben's eyes, Ben has simply learned how to use what he has better than everybody else does. I came to preach to somebody in the building that what you lost was simply God bringing strength to another part of your life. Hey! So you can shout now over what you lost because you can win with what you've got left. Somebody in this building ought to jump out of your pew and run to this altar and throw your hands in the air and begin to shout over what you have left. Come on. Come on. But I can hear the voice of the Lord. I may have lost this, but I learned how to be strong over here. Who am I preaching to tonight? God wants you to change your perspective. In medicine, they call it super compensation. When one part of the body is lost or destroyed or weakened, another part of the body becomes stronger in order to compensate. There are times that God will allow damage and brokenness in your life because there's another part of you that God needs to be strong. I can't get a witness in the building. And so what you need to do is just learn to do what David did. David said, God, make me learn how to dance with broken bones. Teach me how to dance with broken bones in my life because the brokenness is the key to my strength. Somebody on a Sunday night, you got one more chance to lift your hands and rejoice because you can win. You can win with what you got left. Give him a shout of praise. Give him a shout of praise. Come on. I dare you to get your eyes off of what you lost. I dare you. Get your focus off of what's behind you. Get your focus. Forget about the good old days. What about your blessed tomorrow? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Before we leave. 
with a different mindset. I'm gonna leave with a different perspective. I'm gonna leave with a different attitude. I can win with what I 